right, hey everybody, uh, welcome to our guests. Good to have you with us, those watching online. Glad you're here joining us, but we'd love to see you in person sometime soon as well. Uh, it's been a big week, of course, kids going back to school, and hopefully they're learning a lot of new stuff and getting equipped for life. But uh, those of us who have been to school, we know that they, you don't always get equipped for life in school. It's amazing like how much stuff you learn that you never really use you know, later in life and versus how much stuff you really need to know and they don't teach you that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm all for education, I believe in education, but I think there's a lot to be said these days for the idea that not everybody really needs to go to college, that you can go to trade school, you can get, do an apprenticeship, you can learn these kinds of skills that will help you uh, in life to do things. Now, because college, let's face it, it's expensive. You, you end up with a ton of debt, you're not guaranteed a lucrative career necessarily, may not even get a decent job. So. College is great, but there's a lot to be said for on-the-job training. And so here we were just coming off Labor Day, making me think about what, what is your first job? Like, what, what are some of the jobs on your resume? And so I, th I thought I'd throw it out there. How many of you, uh, your first job was in fast food? How many fast food workers? Oh, yeah, a bunch of you. I did my time at Dairy Queen. Yeah, that was a delicious job. I loved that job very much. Uh, how many of you were cashiers? Okay, how about um, waiters? Custodians, yeah, uh, all right. How many of you had a paper route as a kid? <laughs> wow, all right, a lot of you. That's something this generation's not gonna experience, right? Um, I never had to do that either, but I did have a job where I had to just stack newspapers very rapidly all day long. That was like the worst job I ever had, I think, but how many of you were in, in retail some way? Retail workers, all right, yeah, a lot of you are doing that. Um, how about, um, Construction. How many work construction as your first job? All right, factory work is your first job. Okay, yeah, I did, I did my factory work time. I worked at the Slush Puppy Factory. Yeah, where they, they make those slight, those icy, uh, uh, slimy, uh, fruity drinks like a Slurpee. You ever had one of those? Yeah, they're good, right? Just don't ask what's in them. It's not, it's not a pretty thing, no. Um, okay, how about uh, babysitting? First job was a babysitter, yeah. Well, I'm with you, because actually that was my first job, yeah. 12 years old, <laughs> posted a note at the apartment complex. I'm for hire. Some crazy lady hired me to watch her little child, to cook macaroni and cheese on the stove for this child. I had no experience, no training. That is a bad, bad mom. Don't do that. Screen your babysitters better than that, all right? My first real job, though, was, uh, some of you know, as a radio DJ, and I still can't believe that they hired this kid who just turned 17 years old with braces still on his teeth to talk on the radio. But I had been trained for it. I took a lot of classes for it in high school, got my radio operator uh, license, I did a lot of on-air work at my high school station, so I was good to go for that. Same thing is true for ministry. You know, went to a lot of schooling, for ministry and I learned a lot of great stuff Bible doctrine theology a lot of stuff and it was all good but you know what the best way to learn how to actually do ministry is what to do ministry to actually watch other people do it on the job training so I did an internship but truthfully it wasn't a great internship I didn't get a ton out of that one uh, and, and also when I was starting this church I wish now that I had had some mentorship in that because I really didn't know what I was doing and it would have been good that to 
learn more on the job with somebody. So that's what I want for you. I want you to have a great job serving the Lord, doing something that he has called and gifted you to do, that you build up your resume with lots of great experiences where you're, you're being trained and equipped and apprenticed by leaders who have been there, done that, and can show you the ropes. So my desire for you is to grow as a disciple because a disciple is somebody who's learning to become like Jesus, right? And he came to serve, not to be served. And so you learn to think like he thinks, to do what he did. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this process that the 12 disciples went through from being called to come and learn and follow Jesus to being trained and equipped to do what he did and then being sent out to do that for him. And so that's the mission he gave them before he went into heaven. He gave them what we call the Great Commission because he committed to them the greatest work in the world, the greatest cause, greatest movement in the world. He said in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, all peoples. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So that's the mission of every Christian. It's not optional. Disciples make disciples. And the way we express that around here is by winning down river to Christ, by creating Christians who are committed, connected, and contributing, because that's what a disciple looks like. And, and so what we're talking about today is how that happens. We, we are a great commission-driven kind of church, but I question, I think many of us do, is it really happening? How well is it being done? And I fear maybe not as well as we would hope it is. Are people really learning to be disciples? Are we really growing here? And so a couple weeks ago, we started this talk, part one on disciples making disciples, the power of connecting, that we really need to get together to not just go to church, but to be the church there for one another. And the best way to do that is to gather to grow in a group, right? So starting a new season of groups, and I hope you're going to join one uh, as, as we learn to be the church there for each other. We're learning to be the family of God, brothers and sisters, uh, the body of Christ who are serving and ministering to one another, tr trying to recapture being this movement, this greatest movement in the world. And yet what has happened to this movement is it has morphed into a bunch of saints just kind of sitting around, soaking it in, being served, right? We go to a service. To what? To be served. And we, we serve this Jesus who just wants to make us happy and comfortable and, uh, and, and feel good. So it's no wonder that we've fallen into this slide in, in society where Christians are now just viewing church as uh, just kind of an optional thing to go to maybe once a month or so when I have the time, when nothing else is going on, you know, when i got nothing better to do. We, a lot of Christians will, on the weekend, they'll say, well, should I go to church this weekend? Well, it depends on what else is going on. I mean, if I go to church, what else will I be missing out on? When we ought to be thinking instead, if I don't go to church, what will the church be missing? Because God has put you in the church to, to participate, to be involved, to be there, to serve, to, to play your part. So what we're talking about today in part two is moving from the power of connecting to the power of that third seat contributing. But we're not saying contributing because to learn to contribute, you have to be equipped. You need to be trained. And there's great power in being equipped to be like Jesus. Just like you start any new job, you need to be trained. They don't just throw you into a job, say, good luck, you know, have, have at it. They train you up so you'll know what to do. And that's what we want to do for you, too. That's what, think about it. When, if we're going to be like Jesus, the night when he took the Lord's Supper with his disciples, right after, what's he do? He washes their feet. And he says, if you really want to be like me, then you're going to wash each other's feet. 
If you're going to be like your master, you wash feet. But what percentage of Christians show up every weekend to church eager to wash feet? And if that's what he's calling us to do. And the thing is, the more you focus on yourself at church, say, what are you going to do for me? What am I going to get out of this today? The less you grow. Isn't that true? The more you focus on God and focus on others, what can I do for you? The more you actually grow. Because in God's economy, the more you give, the more you receive. And the more you bless others, the more you get blessed. So let's go back to that model Jesus left for us as he calls his disciples to go into all the world, make disciples. We've got to rewind three years to see how that call began with those, those 12 disciples. He selects these 12 guys, ordinary, unexceptional guys, to go out and change the world, to carry on his work. And so it began with a call to discipleship, to be a disciple. The, the 12 were called to come follow, right? But first they had to see that Jesus was somebody worth following. They had to recognize in him that he was something different, something special, that he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, he's worth going all in for. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, Jesus says, come follow me, but he gives them a purpose for this. Mark chapter 1, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and here's the purpose. I'll make you fishers of men. You got a new purpose in life. You're going to go out and catch men and women and young people for, for God. At once, they left their nets. We're all in. They followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. Now, I don't know what's going through their minds when they're hearing, their, hearing this call. I mean, it probably confused them, intimidated them, thrilled them all at once. What am I getting myself into? But they knew there was something so incredible about this Jesus that he was worth going all in for. Just drop your nets, leave everything behind. Radical kind of commitment. And so they, they come to discover that Jesus wants to join them in his mission of fishing for people, right? Of, of bringing to people the kingdom of God and the good news of salvation and so they begin this internship with Jesus what an intense internship spending 24 7 with him and this wasn't for years and years and years it's maybe up to maybe three years or so more like months and months certainly less time than it takes to get a seminary education but imagine the kind of education they got learning right from the source himself doctrine theology the Bible and seeing right up close here's how to serve the Lord. Here's what it means to be a servant and to be a leader from Jesus himself. And the, the thing is, there's nothing special about these guys. They bring nothing to the table here. These are not guys with uh, awesome skills or capabilities that would make them prime candidates to be disciples. I mean, these are guys who uh, were, were flawed in many ways. They were not scholars. They were not theologians. They were not preachers. And Jesus knew ahead of time all the mistakes they would make, all the misstatements they would make, all the bad attitudes they would bring, and the slow learning and the spiritual density that they would bring to all this. But here's the game changer. Jesus said, you're going to come be with me, and that will make all the difference. You're going to learn directly from me on how to be like me. And that's, that's, 
That's the game changer for all of us is when we learn to be like Jesus by being with him. Here's another game changer though because Jesus is going to go back into heaven. He's going to leave them but he's still going to be with them. How? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to live in them and they're going to go out and change the world and their impact is still feel, being felt right down to this very day. And there's nothing to humanly explain how this group of 12 guys turned the world upside down. I mean, all, all the glory goes to God because God did it through them. And I can relate to that, can't you? It's like, ah, unbelievable that God would use somebody like me, somebody like you, to change this world. Get this, Acts 4.13 shows us what the people of Jerusalem thought about these guys. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled. Oh, they didn't go to school. See? In fact, the Greek word there literally is agramatoi. Agramatoi, which means illiterate. Unschooled, ordinary. Get this. The Greek word for ordinary is idiotai. <laughs> Idiots. Men, these ordinary men, they were astonished at these guys, and they took note that these men, here it is, they had been with Jesus. Oh, there's the difference. These illiterate ignoramuses had been with Jesus. From the world's point of view, they were nothing. But look what they accomplished because Jesus was with them and in them, okay? So what I'm saying is if a bunch of idiots like that can do great things for God, imagine what you and I can do for God. They were just tools, just instruments in his hands. And so are we today because we have the same Jesus and we have the same spirit within us. Later, they enter to the next stage of their calling, which is a call to apostleship. Now they're going from just being learners and followers to being sent out because apostle literally is somebody who has been sent out to represent Jesus, to be his special spokesman um, with his authority and with his ability to do miracles. In fact, Mark 3 says Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. He wants you too. And they came to him. He appointed 12, designated them apostles, why? So they might first be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority over demons. So look, we can't be apostles like they were. I mean, we don't have the ability to, to be prophets and speak for Jesus that way or do miracles. But in a kind of gen general generic sense, yes, he sends us out to represent him, to be his ambassadors in this world, to share his message with the world. Now, the final stage of their call comes after the resurrection where he calls them to make disciples. So there's that great commission, go into all the world and make disciples. So notice the progression. It first starts with him saying, come follow me. And so they're with a bunch of other followers as well. They're learning from Jesus. But then he goes to the next level and says, all right, now I want you to drop everything, leave it behind. Come be like full-time disciples with me. And from that then he chooses 12. And he says, you guys now, I'm going to pour into day and night. I'm going to give you all this personal instruction. And you're going to be the ones that I send out. And he does. He then sends them out on these little short-term mission trips. But then after he leaves to go back to heaven, they're good to go on their own. Because they have been equipped. They have been empowered. So let's apply this now to you and me today. We have the same great commission to make disciples. So... It begins first with you being called to follow. And if you haven't yet made that decision to follow Christ, that's where you got to start. And I don't mean just, you know, going to church and, and being religious. I'm, have you 
personally committed your life to Christ like one of those disciples and say, I'm dropping everything, I'm leaving it behind, I'm all in, I'm going to give my full life to Jesus Christ, I'm going to put my trust in him, I repent of my sins, I'm going to be baptized into Christ so I can identify with him, so I can be covered with him, so that uh, I can receive his promises of forgiveness, so that I can be filled with the same Holy Spirit, so I can do the things that he did. That's what it means to be a disciple. It starts with that decision. And if you've never made that decision, then make it today. Uh, drop it. Leave everything behind today. Meet with one of the folks I'm going to have up here after the service or at the end of this talk, and, and they'll help you take that next step. They'll answer your questions. They'll get you ready for baptism today. And if you're watching online, and you, you're not here right now, but we will baptize you any day of the week, Monday morning, Tuesday night, Thursday afternoon. It doesn't matter. Don't delay that decision. Let's go. Let's do it on the spot and start that journey. But if you're already a disciple of Christ, then what are you going to do? Well, we're, we're supposed to make disciples, which means we're supposed to go out and represent Jesus. We go out and we share our faith. We're witnesses. We invite people to church where they can be exposed to the good news of Jesus. And we're all in this together. We're all trying our best to win people to Christ and downriver because we don't rely on the church to do it because we are the church. And the church is only going to have as many people as we each personally go out and reach. It's all dependent on each one of us carrying out being missionaries to our own worlds. And so we're, we're, we're focused on that, but now what? Well, beyond that, I think Jesus would tell us there's three things that he would have us to do today. And so I'm going to talk to three different groups of people. And first, I want to talk to those who are not yet serving. And I would say to you, I believe Jesus would say to you, volunteer to serve. Start to serve. A church is only as strong as those who are volunteering to serve, those who are involved, because we can never rely on just a handful of people, a few leaders, to do the ministry. Uh, we can never just have a few of us using our gifts to carry on Christ's work. You're not going to grow if you stay in, uh, on the sidelines, if you sit on the bench. The church isn't going to grow. We're not going to fulfill his mission. God has put us together to be his body to carry that out. And look, next week, we're going to start a new series. Yeah, we're going back to the book of 1 Corinthians. Remember? To that messed up dysfunctional church. We're going back to this controversial book to talk about being full. What's it mean to be full? And it's controversial because Christians have different opinions and experiences on what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of all that confusion, what we're going to focus on is that you're full of the Spirit so that you can be a servant like Christ. It's about serving one another. That's the purpose. So I want to invite you to be here for the next four weeks and to invite others. Bring them with you. We've got invitation cards out in the lobby. Who can you bring to be a part of this? The Spirit has filled us up to build up the body of Christ. He puts you here to play your role in it. It doesn't matter if you're the hands of Jesus, you're the feet of Jesus, you're the, you're the knee of Jesus, you're the ear, you're the, you're the spleen. It doesn't matter what part you play. The body is only as strong as each part playing its part to help it function and do what it's supposed to do. And so you look around at a church like this. I know how this works. You guys think, oh, there's a lot of people here. I mean, there's two locations, all these services. They don't need me. They don't need me. Somebody else will do it. Wrong absolutely wrong God has put you here because you're needed and no somebody else is not going to play your part that's why you're here think about that if everybody thought the way you did about that oh somebody else will do it well then 
How many people would we be able to serve, to minister to? How many kids would we be able to teach and care for? How many groups would we be able to have? If everybody served like you, would we even have a church here? Would this church even survive? God's got you here because you are needed. And because there are a lot of people, you're more needed than ever. There's a lot of needs here. And we can't rely on just a few overworked volunteers and burn them out. So let me then talk to, uh, to everyone on this and give you this big idea. Here's what I would say. I believe Jesus would say, serve on a team to grow. If you're not serving, this is how you're going to grow. This is going to have how you're going to accelerate your growth. Join a team, sign up online, talk to me, talk to one of the other leaders. We would love to get you involved because those of you who are serving, I'm telling you, you, you have no idea what a difference you're making. Thank you so much. We could not do what we do without you. And you may not get a lot of recognition for it, but God sees what you're doing and he's pleased with it and you're gonna be blessed because you're serving like Jesus. So get involved, sample serve, build up your resume and we will show you how to do it. We will equip you to serve. Okay, so for those who are now you're in a team, you're leading a team, I want to talk to you who have volunteers, I would say equip to serve. See, because the leaders are not here to do all the ministry, we're here to equip you to do your ministry. Uh, it's not just a few people who are the ministers, every Christian is a ministry because anytime you serve in the name of Jesus, you're ministering and we want to help you do that. I mean, you know, the, the Ace Hardware motto, right? Uh, you can do it, we can help. So I'm, I'm going to go to the hardware store right now and uh, grab a piece of wood. And I tell you what, I, I've never been real handy and Penny won't let me do a lot of chores around the house like this because she doesn't trust my craftsmanship. <clears throat> but I'm going to do it right here and now. I'm going to screw this screw into this 2x4, okay? And again, I, I'm not a real handy person, so bear with me. All right may take a minute all right it's it's getting in there uh. well imagine if somebody equipped me with the right tools to do it wouldn't that make a big difference all right let's try using a tool here all right now we're going yeah you know how many chores how many jobs I've tried to do and I didn't have the right tools to do it and so it took me forever or it never got done because nobody showed me how to do it all right well that, that's still going to take a while imagine if somebody equipped me with some power now we're talking right uh, let's try this bad boy out oh yeah oh that feels good oh. guess what you got the power in you already. You're, you got the Holy Spirit in you. We will give you the right tools. We are here to train you and equip you so you're not like me trying to figure it out on your own or going to YouTube and say, what's the right video to show me how to do this? You will get on-the-job training because we want you to be successful in what God's calling you to do. The Spirit has filled you, and, and you have no reason not to serve. You can do this. You, you are, you've got this power that that look at Ephesians 4 here's here's where it is this is what I'm talking about the Apostle Paul talks about this is what we're here for as leaders in the church to help you so Christ himself gave the Apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers the leadership gifts why to equip his people who's that you for what for works of service that's any kind of ministry 
Whatever you do for Jesus, that's ministry. Why? So the body of Christ may be built up so that we can grow until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Like Jesus, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal of every disciple, to become like the master, to become uh, complete in Christ. And then look at verse 16. From him, the whole body, all of us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, maybe that's your role, you're a ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part, that's you, does its work. So you got work to do. And that's the way you're going to grow. That's the way you're going to get built up because the more you contribute, the more you grow. Instead of coming to be served in a service, you come to serve in a service. And a little tip here, I can tell you right now, not everybody volunteers to serve. And it doesn't matter how many times we make an announcement or we make a call, we need help or whatever. A lot of people just are never going to volunteer. So what, what does that mean for you? If you're a leader, that means you've got to personally invite people. You've got to shoulder tap and say, hey, you know what? I've noticed you, and I think you could do a great job in this role. We've got this thing over here. Why don't you help out with it? And, and I'll help. Come serve with me, and I'll show you what to do because I really think God could use you to meet needs and make a difference. Now, folks, that's hard to turn down. When somebody says that about you, doesn't that feel good? Somebody say, you know, I noticed something about you and I think you can do this and God can use you and I'll help you. That's hard to turn down. So equip people to serve. Because look, the, the point is we're not just trying to get you to fill a spot. It's not like we've got this job over here. Who can we, okay, let's get you. You come here and do this. No, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to experience the joy and satisfaction of being a tool, being an instrument in God's hands. So just like in a job, you start a new job, they don't just kick you in there and say, Go, good luck with that. We're not going to do that church either. We're going to show you what to do. We will equip you. And we're going to tell you, here's what we do. Here's why we do it. Here's the purpose. Here's how to do it. Now you give it a try. Now I want to talk to a third group of people, those who are already serving and you're ready for more. I would say to you, apprentice to lead. Apprentice to lead. Because you know what we do as a church? Here's all we can do as a church. We can provide environments where people can grow. Worship environments, group environments, team environments. Nobody's going to make you go to these environments. Nobody's going to force you to grow. You're only going to grow as much as you want to grow. But we got the environments for you if you want to grow. But you know what? Every environment needs leaders. And in order to have leaders, we need people apprenticing to be leaders, right? If we're going to if we're going to expand, reproduce, reach the next generation. Think about that with Jesus. He called these disciples, come follow me, so he could send them out after he went back to heaven. What if Jesus had just been a solo act? He said, well, I did my job and done, I'm out. Good, good luck with that. No, he, he developed people for the next generation. And I'll tell you what, if, if the church does not embrace this concept of apprenticing, we're not only going to not reach this generation, but we will completely lose the next generation because there will be nobody left to carry out the Great Commission. It's up to us because disciples make disciples, leaders make leaders, and we got a lot of groups, we got a lot of teams without any apprentice leaders. And maybe that's, that's what God is calling you to do. And if you're leading one of these things, pick somebody that you can pour into, that you can train, that you can encourage and equip. And you don't have to be an expert to do that. You don't have to be a pro to be a leader around here. You just gotta be willing to be used of God. You just say, okay, I don't know everything, but here's what I do know. I'll show you. Now you go do it. You run with that and you learn from other people and you take this thing to a new level. So who right now in your circle of influence could you bring into that leadership path? 
Who do you need to invite in? Because the church really ought to be a breeding ground for developing leaders, pastors, elders, ministers. A breeding ground full of disciples who make disciples because everybody can disciple somebody and every church ought to be an equipping and ascending church. Jesus is walking by us right now and calling us the same way he called those 12. Leave everything, drop your nets. What are you holding on to right now that's keeping you from fulfilling your greatest potential as a servant of Christ? Whatever it is, would you leave it behind and join him in this journey?